Welcome to another episode of the 212 Podcast. Thank you for your continued listening. If you do like what you hear, please give us a like and subscribe. Let me clear my throat for the next guest on the podcast today. <coughs> she has released 10 studio albums and received five Grammy Award nominations. She has appeared on songs with Fatboy Slim, Common, Black Eyed Peas, D'Angelo, Outkast and Ariana Grande. She has appeared in blockbuster movies such as Training Day and Spider-Man. And she has even had a music academy named in her honour. She is a powerhouse in the industry. Please welcome to the podcast, Macy Gray. How are you and where are you today, Macy? I'm good. I'm in uh, Los Angeles where I live, my home. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Is that where you grew up or is, uh, do you kind of flip between different cities? No, I, I grew up in Canton, Ohio, but I, I go home not that often at all anymore. I used to make it, but my mother uh, lives here with me, so I don't go home as much as I used to. Yeah, right. How was that growing yeah. up there? Was it was it a kind of creative environment that you grew up in, or no? Canton is a uh, Midwest kind of think of a city in Australia that I'd compare it to. I can't think of one. <laughs> <laughs> it's very like Midwest, like people have cows and there's factories and stuff like that. So there's min- minimal minimal opportunity to show off your singing ability. Oh. Extremely minimal, yeah, for sure. When did you kind of realize that you had to maybe move move out and uh, and and kind of branch out a little bit more from the area that you were living in? Uh, well, I went to I went away to uh, college when I was about seventeen. That's really how I ended up in LA. I went to USC, and then I kind of been here ever since. I moved a couple times to uh, Atlanta. I lived in New York for a few months, but. I always ended up back in LA, but um, I, I came out here to go to college. And did that kind of, did the college open up the doors for you as well? Were you around more creative people that were kind of doing the singing or the creative endeavors? Well, I went to uh, the film school there. So my focus was um, films. I was in the writing program there, the screenwriting program. So my focus was to learn how to write movies and stuff. But they have a huge music school at USC. It's probably probably one of the biggest that I've seen as far as colleges go. And their music school was right next to the film school. And then they had kind of this little court in the middle where people hung out. So the film students were always hanging out with the with the music. They kind of, they kind of had the arts program all in one section. So everybody kind of hung out a little bit. So music wasn't even your first love, like it was It was wanting to be an actress? No, 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 no. No, well, I, I've been taking, I had been taking piano lessons since I was little. So I had, you know, theory and I knew I could play like classical pieces. I had, I mean, you know, I was never any good, but I could read <laughs> music and I could um, play a little bit. Was that your family that wanted you to do that? Did you have, did you grow up in like a musical family? Nope. <laughs> no, my mother just, she would li- literally, honestly, she would kill me if I told her this, but on Saturdays, she would drop me off at piano so she could go like chill and do whatever. I don't know what she was doing, but she'd come back like three hours later. So my piano teacher was kind of my babysitter. I'd, I'd go to piano and I'd sit there until my mother picked me up. It was awful. But like I said, I learned how to play. And then, um, so so I just kind of knew music. And I think when you study music, you naturally like 
write a little bit and you learn your favorite songs. It just kind of goes along with it. And so when, when, when I was at school and I would, you know, like see the music students and stuff, like, you know, you have a conversation and pretty soon you're like making music in your dorm rooms. And, you know, the next thing I knew I had a band. It was, it was very organic, but yeah, I thought I was going to be like some big, like movie producer, you know? There's still, there's still time. There's still time. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there, so the, the music that you were kind of playing or playing on piano, was that kind of classical or like, what were you kind of playing to, to, I guess, evoke the the music that you eventually ended up playing? Were you listening to a lot of soul or, or, or how did the, the, the singing part come after the piano? Oh, totally by accident. I, so, so when you write a song, you, you have to, kind of sing it to the people you're writing with so they can hear how it goes. So I had all these little cassette tapes with me singing ideas with the guy I was I was making music with. And uh and then one of his friends heard the tape and he asked me to join his band on Sundays because he had a gig playing for brunch at a hotel. <laughs> and that's really honestly how I started. And I only did it because he told me he'd give me a hundred dollars a week. No, couldn't refuse. Yeah, I had no no intention of singing. So I was probably in my early twenties. I was a super late bloomer, like figuring it out what I wanted to do. You know, which seems so insane because you. I mean, your voice is unbelievable and so distinctive. <laughs> it seems crazy that that was the uh, that came late. But I, I guess fast forward into I guess nineteen ninety nine, which was such a massive year for you, and I guess going from like you said, like college to have such a massive breakthrough. How how quick did your life kind of change during that period? Well, everything changed. You know, I I uh, was touring and I was making money. I got the, the label bought me a car. I didn't have a car before. And um, I had never been out of the country. All of a sudden I was, you know, uh, seeing the world and uh, places that I had never even heard of. I know like we went to like, you know, places I never thought I'd go, like Poland, like who, you know, <laughs> I don't know anybody who wakes up and says, I just want to go to Poland one day. And, you know, I was yeah. going to all these uh, places in Eastern Europe. And um, I, I think, and, and the thing about traveling Especially touring, you learn so much, you know, uh, like it really opens up your mind to to see different different ways that people live. And, and I think that's just mentally it, it, it opened me up a lot. And, and then it's part. But as far as my life, just my surface life, everything changed. I bought a house, you know, I paid off my mom's credit cards and you know people treat you different you you know you get a little different you get a little new and so everything everything changes I don't think anything was the same after that I was I was going to ask you about that as well because I mean you said mentioned the countries there as well how like you would have been traveling across the uh, the globe at the time and learning quickly about these different countries what was traveling a thing for you growing up like did you want to did you want to kind of go to other countries or expect to go to other countries? And maybe what did you find between the difference between American culture and, and the other cultures that you were going to? Obviously you mentioned Poland there, but was your mind just um, exploding? Oh yeah. I, because I'd never thought about it. Like I, I just never thought like I'm going to go and see the world. Even when I got signed, I didn't uh, think about 
going around the world. It was just something I never thought I'd do, you know. So yeah, it was. It's very mind blowing. It's it's every country is it just has its own personality and just I don't I don't know how to get into it. But it's when you live in America and and I think we're all so groomed with that whole the greatest country in the world. You know, we all get told that and we grow up and we believe it. And so when you see the world and 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 you see like there's there's just a lot of cool things going on that you just don't do in America and, and a lot of new ways to live and see things. And I can't really explain it, but it definitely opens everything up to you. You just see things differently. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of American artists as well, they, they do the circuits within America, but you, you didn't, you kind of, you went across to Europe, you went across to Asia, you were doing the, the, the traveling around. So, I mean, there's so many just, you know, in Europe alone, you would have been going to all these different countries that spoke a different language, different way of dressing, different cultures. It would have been a, a shock for you. And and how old were you at the time when you were seeing that? 28, 29, after, after I got signed, I was 27. I don't even remember. About 28, I think. Something like that. I, was, I know I, I was about to turn 30. I, I got signed. Pretty, I mean, my record came out. I was I was in my late 20s. Was there any was there any countries that kind of stood out to you that you had never even thought about going where you'd gone to and you'd be like, wow, that this is how did I not know that this existed? I mean, Italy, Spain or uh, France in Europe or even just any of the Asian cultures, you know, China, Japan, Japan would have been uh, really interesting, I imagine. Oh, yeah. Japan. Well, I've only been to Tokyo and Osaka. Of course, I haven't seen the whole country, but. Tokyo is amazing. It's probably the cleanest country I've ever seen. Like, I've never seen anything like that. Like, the streets were clean and the people are like, I don't know. That country is like organized. It's like <laughs> proper, properly run. <laughs> um, it's gorgeous, but it's just like every everybody's, you know, you don't see like, like, I, I mean, we have access to social media. I, I imagine there's a lot of things I wouldn't see if it weren't for Instagram. But, you know, like, you don't see, like, people in the club, like, rolling up on each other and, you know, fighting and stuff like that. I don't know. But I did go to a a, a Japanese strip club. That was wild. That was <laughs> That's something I didn't ever think I was going to do. That was a trip. That's 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 pretty cool though, that you actually actually went went there though and just to see the difference. Um, I'm sure there was a difference between uh, American strip clubs and Japanese strip clubs. Oh, massive! I can't even say what I want to say, but it was really <laughs> it that was really like that was like culture shock for me. You know, we had we had sushi, and I don't when I. When my record came out, you know, sushi wasn't as popular in the States as it is now. So I think that was the first time I really had it and I hated it. So so when it got all like crazy here in the States, it took me a long time to, you know, eat sushi because when I went there. But I think I just didn't know what I was doing. I think I ordered something and I and I didn't even know what it was. and It didn't taste that great to me. Well, I imagine you'd just be getting hand. I mean, you, you'd be working pretty much every single day wouldn't you at the beginning yeah we uh, no you know you get days off because because you get travel days and then you get you know you always need like a day just to you know get it together but I think honestly though the country that I 
really uh, loved was, was, well, no, not really loved, but I mean, I love it. But the first country that kind of really embraced me were the UK and Australia. That's really where, how, what really got everything going is because I got so popular over there. And, and then it, it, you know, like uh, ran over, it came back to the States because I, I was more popular there than I was here. And then, and then they, then the States like kind of took me in, but it was after the UK and Australia. That's, uh, I mean, the UK, it was so, you're so massive. And, you know, for me growing up, so I'm, I'm from the UK, but live uh, here, but, it, you know, growing up, it was so huge. And, I, you know, we've spoken to a few artists where they say, you know, in Europe, we, we were big and it, and it had to be in Europe first where we became big before we actually took it back to the States. Yeah, I don't know if that's so much now. Uh, I think it depends on the artist. I, I think I think it just depends on the artist. I I don't know why they started me off there. Like I don't know what was the whole strategy behind that, but definitely, you know, it worked out. You know. Yeah, it did, it did work out. It did. Yeah. How do you think? I mean, a lot of people say they've got kind of a good network of friends, but how do you think you kind of maintained grounded over those, specifically those like beginning years where it would have just been so crazy. Everyone would have been after you and and and, and wanting like a piece of what you've got, you know, how do you think you maintained grounded over those years? Um, I don't think I did. I think, I think I really got caught up in it all and I definitely got beside myself and, you know, I, I was doing a lot of things I shouldn't have been doing, but I, I was having so much fun, you know, but a lot of it was damaging to, you know, so, but I think, I think I just grew up finally. And I think when you grow up, you, you, you're able to look at it, what, what's going on a different way. And then you can get grounded, you know, but I, I don't think it's even natural for anyone to, you know, have, have like a, a proper level of fame and money and be grounded. You know, at first, like when you're first and it hits you and you're not used to it yet, you know, you got to enjoy the, you know, just being an asshole for a while. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 100%. To you and all this, I mean, it's awesome, but you know, you just have to, if you're lucky, you'll grow out of that because you, you don't want to, because it's so phony, you know, it's it's all so superficial. And, yeah. and if you if you kind of move into it and stay there, then I, I think that could really screw a person up, you know. Definitely. I know we were speaking to someone the other day, another uh, musician who said, you know, the first 10 years of fame, he doesn't remember. So he was just kind of waiting um, until after that before he could actually enjoy it because uh, exactly. the first 10 years. No, that's so true. That is so true. Was there kind of a moment or, or a person that you randomly met just on your your travels at the beginning that was kind of like your wow moment? Like you didn't think that you would be able to be around certain people? Like I'm thinking, you know, uh, just anyone that was that, that you you kind of idolized that you finally you know the, a room with and was talking to and and you, that you kind of felt wow am I actually here? Uh, probably I, I I did a show in Toronto, Canada at this place called the the Government, and he showed up to my show, and no one told me he was going to be. Actually, they did. They said, "Hey, so we heard Prince is coming," but I thought they were joking because I knew they knew everybody knows. 
what a huge Prince fan I was. And then I'm in the middle of my show and I look up and he's sitting right there. He's sitting in the balcony. And I'll never forget, there was that, it was like Jesus came because there was a light right over where he was sitting. There was this big kind of spotlight that they had put there and he sat right under the spotlight. It was really a moment. And then um, after the show, I didn't see him. Uh, like sometimes people come back to the dressing room. He didn't come back. So we all just got on the bus and we're on the bus like partying and, you know, and then one of his, one of Prince's, you know, crew, he came to the bus and he had on a suit and, and he said, uh, the artist would like to see you. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay. And he goes, he wants to see you now. Like I was being summoned. And then, um, <laughs> so I followed him. He, Prince had gotten some room in the club. I don't know. It was like an office, but the, all the lights were out. And I went in and we sat down and we talked for about two hours. We just talked, just me and him. What a guy. I mean, I, that would have been, that would have been, is, uh, you probably would have been at the beginning like, is this, is this happening? Is... Oh, yeah. I know. I, I think I was just, so, yeah, I think I was so blown away. I didn't really think about how I felt. You know, it was like, Meeting Jesus, it was like you know Jesus wants to see you, and you just <laughs> and you just want to say the right things, and you know. But yeah, it's pretty pretty wild. That and Macy, that you can't say no to Jesus. No, I mean to me, that's who he was at the time. I was, I'm, I'm still a huge Prince fan. Like I painted my room purple, my bedroom when I was in Did school. You? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Did you always have like the uh, kind of like this blind? faith that you'd kind of make it or did did that come from people around you urging you and seeing potential in you uh, I just knew I wanted to be somebody because I, I, I was kind of a odd kid I, I got like made fun of a lot and you know that whole story and so I think I just wanted to make something of myself so I wouldn't have to put up with that anymore <laughs> so I yeah. always knew like I was I, that's what I wanted I wanted to be someone but I didn't know how I, I don't, I don't think I knew how I was going to get there until I got. Yeah. And you've kind of gone across these different creative industries as well. Like what would you, I mean, you've, um, people try and like pigeonhole everyone and try and define their music type. And I, I mean, what would you, what would you kind of class your, uh, your genre as? Cause I'm, I'd imagine you get a fair amount that you, that you don't like being compared to, or maybe there's some that you do. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I get why they need categories in life, but uh, no, I just, I just have so many uh, influences, and I grew up at a really good time in music, and there was a lot going on. There was, you know, there was soul, soul was uh, we were still coming out from Motown and uh, Elvis, and then um, reggae was really popular and. Rock and roll, heavy metal, death metal, and then hip hop uh, started. And then, so, and then all the, that was like the era of all the, I mean, not that there's not superstars now, but that was like when Madonna, Michael Jackson, Prince, Mariah Carey, like they were all, Bruce Springsteen, they were all going all at the same time, you know? So I just, I think I just had so much uh, influence. And, and, and I think that's why. I probably, I probably can't uh, label what I do. Yeah, and you would have had the, I mean, that era as well, you would have had 
experimental like the Solquarians and and uh, and the like so i mean sweet baby that you, yeah. that you had with erica badu she seemed to come up just before your album and singles like 97 99 was baduism i think and when you got yeah. uh, the chance to work with her on, on on sweet baby how was how was that experience oh, it was amazing she she uh it was rick rubin he's the one he got he got her and he got oh shit john shanti from the chili peppers to play on that song and oh my god who's the famous organ player um fuck not he passed oh i can't think of his name anyway that was all rick's idea like to kind of get all the you know get names on the album which i hadn't really done yet like done you know features and stuff and so um so he got erica to come down and billy preston that's what i'm trying to think of. Uh, anyway yeah. he got, he got Erica to come down and he actually sat there like the Rick Rubin. He actually sat there with her and and helped her with all her harmonies and stuff like that. It was pretty wild. Like, I wish we would have had uh, phone cameras and stuff by then. I mean, back then, because I would have so much stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I'll never forget that. He was just sitting next to her and she was she had the mic was in the control room. She was recording from the control room. And he just sat next to her and he did the did like every single uh, harmony with her. And so, that, he, so that he's got cool. a good voice as well. No, he was just kind of directing her. But I'm just saying, you know, a lot of you know a lot of producers they kind of either they bring in a vocal producer or you know they sit on the couch and let everybody figure it out. And he like was just sat right next to her. He never moved. It was pretty incredible. I can't really describe what that was like. What's, uh, what's what is he what is he like Rick Rubin because I mean he he just seems like such a revolutionary like in just multiple genres as well I mean you've you've got like metal and rock that he's gone with and then you've got all of these other things that he that, that he works on he just he seems like just music everything is is music about him he's just he just loves it yeah he's like a he's like a like the tooth fairy of music, like like not even real. And then you get all these kind of gems with him that you're not even asking for, you know. <laughs> and I remember when I was working with him, like he didn't uh, like doctors. He was always like, you know, he was always into like herbs and the natural way of doing, of living. And he didn't drive. I remember that he had a, he had a driver and he, he was just kind of, like, you know, some people just don't or seem like they're from another planet, like they like they got misplaced or something, like they fell from somewhere. You know what I mean? 100%. He didn't, he didn't seem from Earth to me. That's what I remember about him. But um, And he was always uh, really, you know, just giving and, uh, you know, he like I, I understand how he does what he does because when you're around him, you want to, you want to, do your best like you want to like not without not even thinking of it being conscious of it you want to be on his level he's he's that kind of person so and i I imagine he gets he's there's a lot that he could kind of you could learn as well like i feel like he's probably he's been well even more now he's kind of been in the game for so many years now i'd imagine there's there's a lot that you can get from him as well yeah i think it's just the way he lives everything is very natural he doesn't I was never around him. He never like demanded anything or forced. Everything was he kind of let everything happen, and 
it's a really interesting way. I've never seen another producer work like that. But yeah, he's it's pretty. I, I just personally, I don't think he's human. There you go. <laughs> he does seem a bit of an alien. <laughs> um, he Definitely. seems like he's actually from another planet. I mean, Erica Badu, we said there, and um, I was one of the collaborators that you had, but like, who have been some of your, I mean, I know it's hard to pick a favourite. It's like picking your favourite child, but maybe you know that as well. I don't know. But who are your, <laughs> um, your favourite collaborators that you've worked with? Uh, he's he's one of them for sure. Um, I just did an album with this uh, producer. His name is Tommy Parker, who I adore. He he was really great. Who else? I don't think I've had a bad experience in the in the studio. Not really. Well, no, I've had a couple. Let me take that back. But um, I did a, I did a record a couple records with Fat Boy Slim. That was cool. Like just him trusting me to write over his stuff and. And then, and you know, and I didn't know much about DJing and, and so I, I was sitting with him and I said, so how do you find all these, you know, these samples and shit, right? So he goes, oh, you know, I just, uh, you know, buy records and I sit in my crates and then I pull out records and I just listen. He goes, I spend a lot of time listening. So I went back to my bed and I was like, so guess what? <laughs> and he just like listens to records and and the band was like, yeah, we do that too, you know. Like they were so <laughs> unimpressed. But but I, I've have been blessed, you know. I've had I've had some really off the top of my head. I can't think like. No, but Fatboy Slim's Fatboy Slim's a really good example. I mean, he like for yeah. for for me in particular, you know, I'm from Brighton in the UK, which which is where he lives, and he's done so much for that that place. You know, supports the soccer team and just the just. The amount that he's done for Brighton uh, is just is huge. And I don't know, do you, did you see the the gig that he did on the beach? There was like five hundred thousand people that t- showed up. Um, no, I didn't see it. I'll have to send it. I'll send it to you, you guys as well. It was it was crazy. Uh, uh, said that he was doing a gig on the beach. Thought there was going to be a few thousand people, and five hundred thousand people showed up. It was insane, and no barriers. This is before the. OHS and safety and all that stuff. So it was uh it was pretty crazy. And he's he's a pretty wild dude. Did you get to party with him as well? Or yeah, I think we hung out a little bit, mostly in the studio. I think I'm not sure. I think he had just had a kid or something, but he wasn't or he wasn't he like he didn't want to party with me. I don't know what he did after, but we we were in the studio really late and we were just working really, he was just really focused and uh you know, really wanted to do something cool, you know. So those those were kind of him and Rick and and a couple other people I worked with early in my career and I got to see like what what it means to be committed to what you're doing and, and how important it is to, you know, get your record right because it's forever, you know, and, yeah. and to really uh, like just go for, you know, a, a certain level in, in whatever you do. 100%. It would be remiss of me if I didn't bring it up. And I know that you probably hate talking about it because you've been doing it for so long. But my auntie and I have probably sung I Try at least a thousand times on a road trip once. Uh, do you do you know how many times you must have played that song in your life and how many questions you must have had about it? It was just such a huge hit. Oh, that'd be cool. I wish I, I wonder if I could go back and count that. <laughs> I would love to know how many times I've seen that song. That's so cool. I'm going to see you, if I can figure that out. 
you must have been you must have been ten thousand over the over the span of um, times that you must have played it. Yeah, it, it's. I'm it's gonna so, find. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna see if I can figure that out. That number. Yeah. Are there, <laughs> so, are there songs cool. that you wish wish got more props as well? That you that you kind of obviously. I think if you if people look at it as a commercial success, I try they kind of know. Uh, you know, as you, but if you actually know about music, you know that you're, you're not kind of, that's not just you, that the music that you've had, you had such an amazing career. Is there any, is there any songs that you wish got more props that you love personally? Oh yeah. I think I've done some really great stuff and I feel bad for the world that they didn't get to hear like that. Cause they weren't pushed like I try was. So, uh, I, but I, Honestly, all modesty aside, so I was at my friend's house and I never used those like Siri and stuff like that, right? I haven't even gotten to that point where I just talk to Siri <laughs> on Google <laughs> or stuff. But I'm at my friend's house. Nobody's there. I'm kind of house-sitting her. And, and she has, her whole house is automated. Like she says, Siri, close the window. Siri, turn on the water. Like the whole house. So I'm sitting there, I'm bored to death. I'm just by myself. And I was like, Siri, play Macy Gray, right? So it's playing. And I'm like amazed at all the good records that I've done. Like my records are good. I'm sitting there like, whoa. You know, like even if I wasn't me, I would I would have said that. Because it was just back to back my songs, which I've never done. I've never like just sat and, you know, you know, just bathed myself in my music. But I just uh I've done some really great records and I, and I don't, I don't know, you know, I get a lot of flack for, you know, you just did that one song, but I've, I've sold 33 million albums. So that's impossible. Like if I sold 33 million albums off of one song, then I'm the greatest artist that ever lived, I think. So obviously 100%. that's not the case, but I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know, like, why a lot of those songs didn't go the way I thought they would. But, you know, like you said, you know, I'm not dead yet. And, you know, we'll see. But I, I, I know that if you, like, go home and tell Siri to play Macy Gray, you'll hear a lot of great stuff. Like, you'll be having fun. Like, it's pretty cool. It's a how, vibe. How strange is that? That freaks me out that you, that you can actually talk to Siri and get them to close windows and all that stuff. That freaks me out. Oh, yeah, her house is great. She has a condo in Vegas, and you can just tell Siri, and she does everything for you. Yeah. <laughs> Siri, t- change the channel, and the TV just changes. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, crazy. The um, Common, like, you know, Common's one of like, my, my favourite, well, one of three of my favourite rappers. And, you know, that the Ghetto Heaven that you did, you know, on like water for chocolate that just is that's what that's one of my favorites as well and i wish that kind of got more props i think it obviously did really really well and and that's an that that album's just unbelievable but i wish that had more commercial success you know yeah that that was great that's a that's a few um, but yeah i love uh that that was fun that was another really great learning experience doing that record with him who who are the people out there? Now, I know you mentioned the you recording with an, a new producer as well, but who who are the people out there that you think they're going to be huge and that you would love to kind of work with? I saw you had 
Gary Clark Jr. on one of one of your songs, you collaborated with him. I mean, how good is he? But yeah. I mean, is there anyone else that you that you've got coming up that you've you're working with and you thought, wow, that's that's amazing? Huh. Let's see. And it could be it could be the you know you know someone someone previously as well that you haven't worked with. You know, I mean, you would I'm sure Prince would have been there as well on the on the list. Probably David Bowie if he was still alive. I don't know, but there there would have been some some others there that you that you'd love to work with maybe it's new or old but well i'm thinking about doing a country album so that that'll be an adventure i'll probably work with a lot of people you know because i don't know anything about country music so i'm gonna have to collaborate like crazy you know yeah yeah no definitely um and that's a, another again string to the bow country is another is another uh type altogether you must have I mean, your your cover of, of of Creep as well was was amazing. Do you listen to Radiohead, or do you, did you get presented that opportunity opportunity and thought, oh, oh, I'd love to to do that? Like, how did that come about? Um, I did an album called Covers a while ago, and it was just all covers. And um, I don't remember why we picked that song. No, but no, I I was never like a huge like. Radio heads. I never, I didn't listen to them that much before. But um, I think I don't remember who suggested that song. But they just we we recorded the album live. Everybody was there, plugged in, and the band just started playing it. And and uh, and we kind of got on that. And I think I think my version is way cooler, actually. Yeah, I I love your version of it. I think it's it adds another dimension, another layer. Thank you. There seems as well like your 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 music just in general. There always seems to be like an honest reflection to your music. It's it's been three days since you uh, screamed and hung up on me from from when I see you. Are, are there do they always have to be memories of things that have actually happened, or can you kind of make up a scenario when you're when you're writing music? I think in the beginning, my first few albums was all genuine life, of, you know, like my life, but um. I haven't been in love in a while, so I've had to use my imagination or go back to something I had before. I haven't really been in a relationship in a minute. Like I, it's kind of, kind of weird. But so I haven't had those feelings to just, just oh, I'm just oh, me and my man just made the greatest love last night. I'm gonna write a song about the greatest love. You know, I haven't had those moments in a little bit so i've gotten i've gotten really creative yeah but i didn't i don't it's never of too far from from where i'm at you know like i'm trying to think like on my new album there's a song called mercy and it's just about i'm so into you i can't do nothing else like please have mercy so i've felt that way before but i'm writing the song now do you see what i'm saying yeah, no, hundred percent. And I, I, I want, I did wonder that, like, how is that to play something that is, is your kind of like, your, that's your, that's your life that you're, you're singing and you can hear on the radio and all that stuff. Is that, is, is mm-hmm. I, I guess, is that, is that comforting to you or is that, is that okay? Or is it, is it a little bit strange or? No, I, I mean, that's just, uh, people have asked me that, but I, I uh, don't know any how, way else to do it. You know, I, I wouldn't know what else to write about. Like, my last album, Ruby, I, I worked with, um, I did a song with Megan Trainer, and it's called Sugar Daddy. 
And she wrote that song when she was 16. So I was literally just singing, you know, her 16-year-old, whatever that song is about for her. But for my songs that I write, that that's really, if I'm writing it, that's the only way I know how to do it is to write from what I know. You know Yes, I mean? it's organic. Yeah. Yeah. Your life is quite full on with all of the things that you do have. How do you how do you relax and you know kick back and, and what are you, what are your kind of hobbies when you when you're not working? I actually play video games, which my kids think is so weird, but I do. And then um what else do I do? What do you, what I do you like find to uh, go out, I like movies. I love movies. I, I go to to movies to, to the movies quite a bit. Even yeah. when nobody else wants to go, I'll go by myself. Yeah, I've, I can't. I can't do the by myself movies. My partner can, but I, 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 I can't do it. I don't know why. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I just, I just, I need, I need company, Macy. I need, I need, <laughs> I need company through a movie. <laughs> um, what kind of games are you playing at the moment? Uh, mostly Grand Theft Auto and basketball. Yeah, awesome. That's really the only ones I play. I mean, I have Halo and all those, but I'm, I I really like Grand Theft Auto. That's my favorite. It's a classic. Talking of classics, you um, also have um, appeared in movies as well. You kind of did get your your the movie uh, part of your life as well that you that you really wanted, and you appeared in movies like Training Day, for instance, which is an unbelievable movie. How was that for you? Training Day was was such an iconic movie and had a few musicians and uh, slash actors in there as well. How was that for you? It's cool. It's just not anything I thought I was going to be doing. You know that that's another thing that just kind of came to me uh, from the sky. And um, but I loved it. You know, I I, I never thought I was going to be in movies. So to actually do it was was pretty amazing because I, I wasn't expecting that. Are you, are you still going to be? doing more more movies in the future do you think well i think i've gone back to my original dream i'm i'm more interested in like making movies and i'm working on a tv show i'm 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 scheduled to do a cartoon this year um but it, you know that's the cartoon that's voiceover but um i mean i like acting is it my you know am i passionate and am i studying it every day no so and if you're not doing that, like in this world of like the entertainment business, you you can't compete, you know, like I do something with my singing every day. You know what I mean? But I think like if, if you say like if you want to be a model, if you're not active doing it every day, it's probably not going to happen. Not in this world that we're in where it's so saturated with people who entertain now you know what i mean yeah so um so i don't know i i I would like to and maybe if i got a script that i thought was really interesting and and that i could really kill i'd I'd go all out but mostly i'm just interested in i I have this really great movie idea that i'm writing and i and i'm i want to get that made one day 
you heard it here first. Let's wait for that movie to come out. It's definitely going to come out at some point. Um, and the other things as well, you've got all of these other projects that you work on. And um, we're coming to the end of the episode, and I really wanted to kind of talk to you about one of the things that, you're, that you've worked on, which is the great charity and support work that you do for uh, My Good. And anyone listening who hasn't heard of it, it supports families who have lost loved ones to pre- police brutality. And it, it seems so blindingly obvious from the outside, maybe, maybe not in uh, the US, but it seems so blindingly obvious that we're still kind of talking about this issue in 2022 and, and seeing these kind of things happen. But why is it important to you? Like, what, what, how did it come about and, and, and what does it mean to be involved with that? Uh, so my good came from uh, the whole, well, we, yeah, we started it in 2020. That, that was the year of Ahmad Aubrey, um, right? Or was that 2019? I think I, I, I'll look it up for you, but we started it right after the Ahmad Aubrey case. He was the one that was killed while he was jogging. Do you guys get those stories out there? I know. We, we, we kind of, we, we do, but I, I, I feel like it's, uh, it's so it's so common it's it's almost too common do, do you know what i mean like these these things that yeah. come up so uh, so often that it's mm-hmm. i don't know maybe we've been indoctrinated into believing that it's just normal but i don't know no it's definitely not normal that's not normal i don't i don't want you guys to think that it's not it's not normal it's it's um, we know we know it's happens. normal yeah but it's it's yeah. just yeah it, it it's and it seems to happen so often in in the us it's um it's crazy yeah, it happens way too much. But um, so that's pretty much what was me and two of my closest friends, Sharon Harrison, uh, Grace Blake. And we just kind of got together and we dug in and we just decided we wanted to help the the families because they, you know, they lose. And, and a lot of times it's a son or a daughter. And then and then for one or two days or maybe a week, they talk about them in the press and then and then that's it for most cases you know like George Floyd and Brianna those were like really remarkable situations everybody doesn't get that kind of attention all that kind of a settlement so we 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 really set out to help all, all those uh moms and dads who who got something like that happens to them and 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 nobody's around you know yeah do you think yeah. it's getting better over there or um, I think it can get better. I, I I think now that that there's been a lot of attention to it, like you see cops like really some of them going out of their way not to be in that situation. I, I think it does. It has had some effect. It's, it's, it hasn't fixed it, of course, but um, I think the 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 last two years and all the commotion and the marching and the talking about it every day, I think that I think that helped a little bit. I, I'd have to look at the statistics to see like did the numbers go down? I don't know, but mm-hmm. I know that people being conscious of it on both sides, I know that that helps. Like I I know like like when people are driving by and they see like the cops and they have somebody in handcuffs, like I've seen people like stop and sit there and make sure nothing goes wrong. You know what I mean? Or, and you'll see like on television or, or just on Instagram or whatever, you'll see cops kind of hesitant. Some of them aren't, some of them still don't get the memo, but you'll see them kind of hesitant to get aggressive because they don't want to, you know, they don't want that on them. So I, I think 
a little a little bit of a difference has been made. Yeah, I think so. I think it probably helps as well that there's the, like you like we were talking about at the beginning is is just that camera phones exist now as well. So I mean, you are going to be held accountable for your actions uh, uh, if you uh, do any. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, that well, that's the issue is that that you that you don't they don't get held accountable. That's what Colin Kaepernick was trying to tell everybody. But I think it's changing because I think also judges and lawyers are are conscious of it too now. I think I think if you're a judge, you have to be really careful about just letting people go. You know, just because like oh he's a cop, he can go home. You know, I don't. I don't think we'll see as much of that anymore because because the court cases are on television. So yeah, yeah, and I think I think it's going in in a better direction. You know, it's good. And if you sure. and if you if you haven't seen it, uh, guys, please check out the 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 cause that they've got going. It's it's really amazing amazing work that they're doing there as well, and, and really helps everyone. But um, Mason, we come to the, the end of the podcast. I just wanted to ask you. I don't know where whether whether what your answer will be, but I just wondered if there were any young people that that were listening that wanted to get into music or films, you know, what would be your advice to them? Uh, just work. Like you gotta work. Like it's hard. Like you gotta work really hard. And you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta go all in. Like you have to, like you have to give it everything that you have. And, and the thing about that is, is that if you really want it or if you genuinely see that for yourself, then that's not going to be a problem. Like, it's not like what I'm saying, like that, that's going to be easy for you. Like what's his name? Floyd Mayweather. He says, hard work is easy work. You ever seen that? Yeah. yeah. Hard work is easy work. And at first when he said it, I was like, I didn't really know what he's talking about, but, but then I was like, Oh, like, so when you're working hard to work hard, should be easy. If, if you, if you're really sincere about what you're doing, it's easy to want to be a rock star or want to be, you know, Kate Moss, you know, or to want to be, I don't know, Marilyn Monroe. But but if, you know, to do the work, because all those people, you know, did the work and that's why how they got where they are. So I, I would just say, you know, if, if you're up for that, then you then you have a shot, you know. Beautiful. Uh, Macy Gray, it's been amazing to talk to you and really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. Okay, thanks so much. This episode of the 212 Podcast was edited by Podlike. We provide expert editing and production for podcasts and content creators. Find us at podlike.online. Podlike.